You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I see. You are my all in all. Seeking you as a precious jewel. Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I praise your name. You are my all in all. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice, all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice to trembles at his voice how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will sing how great how great Beginning and the end, beginning and the end. The Godhead three in one. Father, Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the God. 
a word you, you were singing, singing over me. me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind And I don't deserve it Still you give yourself away Holy, overwhelming, never-ending Reckless love of God When I was your foe Still your love fought for me You have been so, so good to me. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. And you have been so, so kind to me. And I couldn't earn it, and I don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Holy, overwhelming, never ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. 
coming after me. Snow wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99, and I couldn't earn it. And I don't deserve it. And still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Uh, First Corinthians chapter number three. And we're going to continue our, uh, our series on continuing in the work of God. We spent, uh, I don't know how many weeks, on the Word of God, uh, learning and growing understanding of how we got our Bible and why it's important to read our Bible, why it's important to study, and why it's important to uh, apply the truth of God's Word into our life. But along with that, as you begin to study God's Word, then it helps you now to begin to live God's Word. In fact, in our, uh, in our passage that is a theme of our uh, of our year, which is 1 Corinthians 3.14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. You'll know in verse 16 it says, for the, uh, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's the Bible and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And he says, that's what the word of God is. And then it says in verse 17, for the perfecting of the saints. In other words, to make us complete so that we might do good works. Verse 17 says that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. So uh, we find that the word of God is important as long as it leads us to do the work of God. The Bible is here to complete us, to make us mature, so that we might do the work of God. And we learned last week when we studied Ephesians chapter 2, that before you can do the work of God, you've got to make sure that you're part of the family of God. We said that you're going to have to have the gift if you're going to do God's will, which is his, his work. God wants us to, uh, to do uh, those good works, to do the work of God. But to do that, you have to have the gift. We said salvation is that gift. Salvation is new life, and we need new life because we're born in sin. We're born dead, and we need to be given life again. And so uh, if we, we learned last week, if you're going to do the work of God, you've got to have God's life in you. Now, what happens after you have God's life in you? That's what we want to talk about tonight. So we're looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and looking, starting in verse number 9, if you have your Bibles, verse number 9, it says, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, 
every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. In this passage, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth. If you know anything about the church at Corinth, you'll know that they were a church that had unbelievable potential. They had very talented people. They had people that could do a little bit of everything. Some uh, that were very successful, people that were uh, very uh, uh, gifted in their church. But with all the talent that they had and all the potential that they had, Paul comes to find out that they use all of their gifts, all their talents, all their potential to live carnally, fleshly. In other words, it was a church that was very divisive, very divided. All right. And so Paul is writing them to address those issues. All right. Paul was the one that led many of them to the Lord. He's the one that founded the church there in Corinth. He came to that city and began to and preach about uh, salvation through Christ. And many came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as that church got established, then they started to grow in that church. And, and God called Paul to go and plant another church after he was there in Corinth for a little while. And as Paul left to go and, and plant some other churches, he got wind that someone came and told him about what was going on in the church of Corinth. And that's what was going on. People were living very divisively, very uh, carnally. Uh, they were not living to do good works, but uh, they, were not, uh, they were not doing what God had called them to do, to do the work of God. So Paul, as he's confronting this, as he's trying to correct this in the church of Corinth, he begins to write to them these words that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And it's interesting because in verse 9, about being laborers with Christ, you'll notice that he says there, for we are laborers together with God. Now, I want to say that in the context of why he's saying that, there's this, this is what was going on in the church. There were some that were saying, I'm not going to listen to this guy over here because Paul is the one that reached me. Paul was my friend. Paul was the one that told me about the gospel. He got me saved. And, uh, and I only listened to Paul, what, what Paul says. And there was another guy that came to the church by the name of Apollos. Apollos was a godly man. He wasn't as knowledgeable about God's word as Paul was, but he was a godly man. He had testimony. He knew many truths about the God's word, and he began to teach that. And, and he got to win some people to the Lord and come to that church. And then those that were won by Apollos said, well, we're not going to listen to Paul. We're going to listen to Apollos because Apollos was the one that was my friend, and he told me about Christ. And so now there was this division. Some were with Apollos. Some were with Paul, and then there was others uh, with the Apostle Peter. Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ. Many have said, well, I'm with Peter. And so there was all these factions. There was these divisions in the church. And so Paul began to them, listen, we're all on the same team. He said, God has allowed me, and I planted a seed. I planted something. But then Apollos came and he began to water what I had planted. I gave you this truth and Apollo is, uh, Apollos expanded on that truth and y'all began to grow in your spiritual life. He said, but you know what? I'm not against Apollos. I'm not against Peter. We're all together in this. And he said, Apollos, Peter, myself, we all are workers. That's what the word laborers. We're all workers of God. 
And he said, you need to understand, first of all, there can't be division in doing the work of God. We need to be united in doing the work of God. I have a role that God has allowed me to do. Apollos has a role that he's, uh, God's allowed him to do. But you know, the one that really brings blessing into the life of your work for God is God himself. That's why uh, Paul said there uh, in, in verse, I think, number seven or verse number eight, he says, but God gives the increase. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. There's a unity in working for God. We got to be together in this and understand we're not competing against one another. We're working with one another. We're working together in the work of God. So as laborers, you got to remember that. And Paul was talking really about the pastors. You see, Apollos used to be one of the pastors of the church, and Peter was also one of the leaders in the church. And, and Paul is trying to say, yeah, there, there are some different leaders in this church, but we're all on the same team. We're not trying to compete with one another. We're trying to work together with one another. Now, even though he's talking about pastors in that passage, let me tell you something. There's an application for every one of us. You might think, well, that's for the pastors. They need to know that. Y'all need to get together. You know, you and your dad and, and uh, Brother Reda and Brother Cantu, y'all are some of the leaders of the church. Y'all got to work together. That's what he's talking about. And yes, he's talking a little bit about that. But there's an application for you as well. Because, see, you're also part of Today, if you've got living in your heart, that means you're a Christian and you're saved. And God, that means that you're part of the work of God. You might not be the pastor of the church, but you're still God's worker in his work. And that's why Paul begins to explain, and he gives two pictures of this. He gives two pictures of what it means to be a, a worker of God. All right, he says, laborers of God, we're workers of God. And he gives two pictures. One field. He says, ye are God's husbandry. Now, that's a, a word that we don't really use too much, uh, but you can translate it as a field or a farm. Now, it's interesting that Paul uses that metaphor. He says, I want you to understand that when you're a worker of God, you're like working in the field. Now, it's interesting that he uses that as, as, a, as a farm worker. You know, as farmers, there are certain things that you can do and certain things that you cannot do. For instance, a farmer can get seed, whether it be corn or whether it be grain or whatever it is, and he can go and plant the seed. But you know that the farmer cannot make that seed produce. Do you know that grain coming out of the ground is a miracle from God? You know, if we could make our own, if we could make seeds come out and grow whenever we wanted, we'd have people on the moon doing that and people in Mars. But we can't do it. First of all, we can't even get to Mars as it is. But if you've ever researched uh, the idea of those uh, people that want to start a colonization in Mars, you'll see that one of the biggest obstacles that is stopping them from being able to do that is that we can't grow our own food there. And when you get all the way uh, as far as where Mars is at, they say, well, where are we going to get food from? We've got to be able to produce it. And there was this thing called a biosphere. And a biosphere was this man-made a building uh, an experiment since we know so much about our, uh, our 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 atmosphere and so much about uh, how our our uh, world works supposedly uh, we thought well we control those kinds of things so man built uh, uh, atmosphere, the biosphere 
try to grow their own food there and try to be self-sustaining. And after millions of dollars of investment, you know what they found? That we couldn't do it. You see, the Bible teaches in Colossians that all things are made by him and are sustained by him. In other words, God controls our atmosphere. The, the fact of life is a miracle of God. So when Paul is talking about being in the work of God, he brings this idea. He says, listen, we're just like the farmers. The farmers, we can throw that seed, but God is the one that we throw. God's going to determine if that seed's going to produce anything. We can't make it produce anything, but we can throw the seed and let God do what he needs to do. Say, the farmer works with that seed. The farmer just throws it out, and God begins to bring the increase. And then he uses a uh, picture, and that is that of a building. He says, you are God's building. And what he's talking about is the architecture. That's really the, the word there in Greek is where we get the word architecture from, the building. Now, what is a building for? Well, we find shelter in a building. Uh, we find protection. Structure that 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 brings a, a, a kinds of different purposes, all kinds of different purposes. And uh, the Bible uh, compares the church to that building, the temple of God. And Paul says, listen, we are to work as a farmer. We're to plant what we can plant and let God bring the increase. But as a builder, we're trying to be uh, we're trying to get formed into God's image. We're to be that building, that, that architecture that God can work on. So two things that we need to understand about God's work are, number one, he can't do it all himself. So in other words, you and I cannot do God's work all by ourselves. And number two, there's a specific design that God is trying to accomplish through that work. There's something he wants to do through the work that you do for him. You might be asking, what is this work? Because that was my question. Today, as I was reading and studying and thinking about it, I said, well, what is good works? You ever thought about it? What is good works? Because it's interesting. God wants us to do good works. What, what is good works? Well, there's a distinction between doing good things and doing good works. Good things can be done by people that don't believe the Bible. And there are a lot of people that do good things. You have a lot of foundations that are fighting to bring cures to different diseases. That's a good thing. How many understand it, it's good that we have, you know, medicine that can help us. And we've defeated a lot of diseases like polio and all, all, all kinds, of, even the common cold. You know, 200 years ago, the common cold would kill Many of the pilgrims that came over here, many of them didn't survive the winter just because they got a cold. And there was no medicine at that time that could help cure the cold. Now we think of a cold and it's like, yeah, take some Tylenol, you'll be fine. Uh, it, it's amazing the, the progress that we've, we've made in those areas. But those are good things that have happened. But those are not good works. So he said, then what is a good work? Here, you can write this down somewhere, write in your Bible. A good work is a good deed that has the enabling and accompaniment of the Holy Spirit's power and truth. Let me break it down for you. The word enabling means the authority and the means to do it. In other words, it's a good thing. You're doing a good thing, but now you've attached God to that good thing. That's what makes 
good deed a good work. People that don't believe the word of God, they don't have God in their life, they can do good deeds, but they can't do good works. Good works only can come by the enabling of the Holy Spirit, by the authority. In other words, who who told you to do that? Well, the word of God says we need to do this and this and this. Who says that we ought to love our neighbor as ourselves? The word of God, that's the authority. That's the enabling. Who says that you ought to forgive those that have offended you and love your enemies? The word of God, that is the authority. That's what makes it a good work when you do it. Because now you've attached God to that good deed. That comes with the enabling. That means the authority, the, the able to. And then a company means the company of, in the company of. In other words, you've got to have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. You've got to be part of God's family to be able to do God's work. We talked a little bit about that last week. But I want to ingrain that in our heads tonight. If I be a worker to do God's work, then I've got to understand I need the Holy Spirit part of God's family. Once I have the Holy Spirit in me, now I can do good works. That's why in Ephesians chapter 2, he says that. Because we are his workmanship to do good works. Without having salvation in your life for the Holy Spirit, you can't do a good work. You just can't. A good work is something that you have done through the enabling and the accompaniment of the Holy Spirit's power and his truth. So important to understand that tonight. If you're going to do God's work, young people, you've got to understand, I need I need to be enabled by the Holy Spirit. Then I want you to notice, as Paul not only gives the definition of a good work, then he tells you the details of what God's work is. It looks like they're out, so I'm going to give you in two, two minutes this, and then we'll review next week. You'll notice that he says, he says there in verse number 12, after you've laid the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, the foundation is having Christ in my life, then we start building on that, the good works. Good works doesn't give us salvation because that's a gift. But works do have rewards. So these good works, things that we because we're enabled by the Holy Spirit, are things like gold, silver, and precious stones. Those first three that Paul mentions, and I want you to notice that gold is always referred to. If you, if you read the Old Testament, you'll find that the tabernacle, much of it was covered in gold. The Ark of the Covenant was covered in gold. You know what gold makes you think of? Makes you think of that preciousness, that that glory, the value of it. The work that we do for God should point to the value of the person of Jesus Christ, point to his glory. Anything that you do that points to the glory of Jesus Christ, that's gold. That's a good work that's gold. And then he says there are things of silver. That is the redemptive uh, work of Christ. In other words, when you witness to somebody, you share a verse with somebody at school, that's like silver. That's a precious thing. He said good works are things that point to the glory of Christ. Good works is when we talk about what Christ did on the cross for us. The redemptive work. You look through all the scriptures, you'll find that silver has... They would drink from the silver cup when they would celebrate the Passover because it was a picture of redemption. And then the last thing is precious stones. And that 
the beauty and the position of Christ. Christ as our king. Anything that you do that points to Christ as king is a good work. He says, if you want to know what a good work is, it's anything that points to the glory of Christ, anything that points to the work of Christ, and anything that points to the beauty of who Christ is as king. That is what makes a work a good work. The deeds that we do when you help someone, does it fall into under one of these things or not? Because if it doesn't, it's not a good work. It might be a good deed, but it's not a good work. Next week, we're going to learn about what is the wood, hay, and stubble. Because those are things that look like good works, but they're really not. They're more like good deeds, but not good works. If you're going to continue in the work of God, young people, you must understand this truth. I can't do God's work on my own. I'm just like a farmer. I plant what I can, but God's going to give the increase. When I do God's work, it's because he's trying to do something in me. There's a design. There's a purpose that he wants me to accomplish. And as I do that, I got to understand these good works are not things that are what I do to uplift me, but things that point to Christ. We're going to look at some examples of that next week, but I pray that you'll chew on what we've talked about tonight and think about in your life. When I I think about the good works in my life, what I I picture as good works in my life, how does it line up to this scale? The things that I'm doing, are they adding up to be gold, silver, and precious stones, or are they not? Every good work either points to the glory of Christ or to point to the work of Christ, or to point to him as the king in your life. Anything less than that is not a good work.